so this month has been um, a time set aside to really ask the questions, what are the essential things for us as a church that God wants us to be doing? And as individual Christians, what are the, what are the things that are of first importance? What are the things that actually, if we were to do all of these things and to do them consistently well, then we're doing pretty good. We're, we're actually getting somewhere where we're meant to be going. And as a church, we've, we've got this kind of like vision really to be a family that lifts Jesus high, that everywhere we go, whatever we're doing, that if we're able to lift Jesus high, whether it is in our gatherings together, whether it's in our families or in our workplaces or wherever it is, if we can honor the Lord, then we're going to be um, about his business together and his kingdom is going to advance. And there's these four areas that we're going to look at this, this term. I hope that's not too small for you to see. First is that we gather as worshipers. That's what I'm going to talk about this morning. We gather as worshipers. We grow as followers. We give as servants and go as sent ones. Okay, so each one of these things we're going to look at in the next, uh, next four weeks together. Because I really believe that if we're able to, to gather, to grow, to give, and to go, then we're really on our way to fulfilling God's calling for our lives and our lives as a church together. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to look at this first one, gather as worshippers. So let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Lord, that you love us so much. We're so honored to just be able to know you at all. And Lord, we know that for each of us, we're all in different parts of our journey with you. Some of us are brand new Christians. Some of us have been Christians a long time. Some of us are not quite there yet. We're still working it through. Every single one of us has steps to take. And I pray for each one of us that wherever we start from today, you would move us forward in our faith. You would move us forward as a church, deeper into your purposes, deeper into relationship with you, a deeper understanding of your plans for us, that we might walk in them. For we know, Father God, that you know the plans you have for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, give us hope and a future. Lord, it's those plans we want to align ourselves with, that we might walk in the work you have for us. And so help us now to be attentive to your word, that we might walk in your ways and be transformed by your power at work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Often people will ask, um, is it possible to be a Christian without coming to church? Often that's what people will, they'll ask that, won't they? And, what, and what's behind that is often a feeling that perhaps gathering together, gathering together maybe on a Sunday or another day, is just kind of unnecessary, it's kind of an extra, it's an additional thing. It's for the really, really keen people or for the people that don't have anything better to do on a Sunday morning or whatever it is. And, and also sometimes behind that is a sense that maybe their, people's experience of church hasn't been good or um, it's not felt relevant or it's not felt like a safe place or maybe they've just not managed to find somewhere that really fits them, their needs, their, their preferences perhaps, their, the things they see as important. Sometimes people will say, well, I'm into Jesus, but I'm not so sure about church. And we can understand that, can't we? Because Jesus is better than church, in a sense. Jesus is, Jesus is perfect. Unfortunately, his body, the church, is not quite perfect just yet. It's full of imperfect people. And yet there is something that God wants us to pursue together that is of great value. And right at the start of this series, looking at the essentials 
I just want us to think today about a couple of pictures of what it means to be the church, to be God's people on earth. And the first is that the church is a family. The church is a family. Ephesians 2 says this, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household. Fellow citizens, people who, who belong together, members of God's household, his family. The household was where the, the family, the extended family all gathered. And, and Paul is talking to a group of people, Jews and Gentiles, who were, who were previously separated by this dividing wall of hostility that Ephesians 2 talks about. All the different barriers, different tribes, you know, worse, worse than Man City versus Man United. That kind of, you know, even worse than that. People who just didn't, wouldn't get along at all. And yet, Jesus came to bring these varied groups of people all together as one family, a diverse, varied group, something that is absolutely impossible to achieve without Jesus. God has brought people together, and as a church, we're a family of, of people from many, all ages and many backgrounds, made, and God has made us into one new people, a people of God, a family, fellow citizens. You know, as a church, we really... We really want to be a family for everyone, a place to call home, a place to belong, to be welcomed just as you are, loved, accepted, encouraged to move forward in your faith wherever you're starting from. It's right at the heart of who we are. But families can be tricky, can't they? Just, just reflecting on Christmas, just, just a few weeks ago, I'm aware as all, my, all the families descend upon us, how different our families are. You know, we have different rules. Some of you might have had to negotiate kind of like, what, what are the Christmas traditions that you were going to do? Uh, this is the classic thing that newly married couples have to work out. It's like, you know, well, well, what time do you have the meal? And what, do you go to church on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day? Or do you, do you kind of like, what, what, what's, how, what does it look like? When do you open the presents? And all of these kind of things. For us, it's how many vegetables is acceptable to have on the plate? My mum's got a preoccupation with having thousands of vegetables. And the other thing is, what weather is acceptable to go for a walk in? I don't know if you've had this thing where you've kind of you got a family gathering or something, and someone says, oh, let's go for a walk. And you look outside, and someone else says, oh, it looks a bit cloudy. Let's not bother. But my family, it doesn't matter what, rain or shine, just, you can have sideways rain, we'll go for a walk. Not so with Sarah's family. So anyway... How much more, though, if, if that is what families are like, and we can all experience that, can't we? We all recognize the, the things we have to navigate in order to keep families close. How much more the family of God? How, how much more when we bring other expectations? Just pop your hand up if you've been to another church at some point. Okay. Most people, a few of you, this is the only church you've ever attended, but likelihood is that if you've attended another church for any period of time, perhaps you were brought up in another church or another background, you'll carry with you a sense of expectation of what church should look like, what it should, what it should be like, or this is how it's done. And, and so when the way we do things, you think, oh, that's not the way I was brought up to do things. And, and, or that's not how, how I just, you just doesn't sit right or whatever. And just so many different expectations we might carry. Some from just our preferences to do with songs, might be the length of sermons. 
not saying anything about that. <laughs> Might be just used to a little short 10 minute That's not going to be that this morning, I'm afraid. Or it could be the way we do baptisms and dedications and communion. All of these things have the potential for, to just divide us as a family because we carry with us all of our different backgrounds and all of our differences. How on earth are we going to stay together as a family that God wants us to be which is why he said, listen, this Jesus died for you, that you might be made one. How do we maintain that unity of the Spirit? We can't create it. God's created it. But how do we maintain it? It's so important. This is what John says, and uh, this is what Jesus says in John chapter 17. He prays for everybody that would become a believer in the future. This is an amazing thought, isn't it? That Jesus thought of you and me. And he actually prayed for us before we even became believers, if you are a believer today. I do not ask for these only, he said, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's talking about the apostles. He prays for those who will believe through their word that they may be all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they may be in us, that they, the world may believe that you have sent me. Praise that we would be all one by all being in Christ. That's why we have a together first service at the beginning of every month because as a family, we want to say first and foremost that we all belong together. But the question that we need to ask is this, then how, as a church of such diverse ages and cultures and backgrounds and needs, how, what will ensure that we stay a family together that lifts Jesus high. God's desire is that in everything Jesus might be preeminent, that he might be supreme. And as we lift up Jesus, well, we all get closer to him, but we all get closer together as well. When we exalt Jesus, lifting him high is the first thing that we need to do. And so I want to just suggest that as we seek to be a family that lifts Jesus high, it really is as we lift him high, as we worship As we gather as worshippers, worshippers who say Jesus is of supreme worth than anything else, it is only by doing that that we will be the family that God wants us to be. It's only by making Jesus number one and everybody else number two that we will be united as a family of God. I've been uh, reading Revelation uh, this year, I've just, my, my book that I've just wanted to just get my head into and read about and just study has been the book of Revelation. And um, this is what it says in Revelation. Revel- it's as if heaven kind of is split open and John gets to peer in and see what's going on in heaven. And heaven is like the, the most unified place on earth. Huh? On earth? Uh, the most unified place it's not on earth. But anyway, we'll, we'll work that out. It will be, be on earth. That'll be good. Um, heaven is such a great picture of a family in unity. And here's what, it, here's what it sounds like. Here's what it looks like. Revelation 5. Listen to this. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So saying Jesus died for people from every tribe, nation, language, and, and um, people. A nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Revelation 5:11. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders 
<clears throat> the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen, and the elders fell down in worship. See, in heaven, there's a preoccupation with Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive all glory and honor and praise. And yet, there are people of all tribes and nations and tongues and languages that for at this period of time, joining in with myriads and myriads, that's a great word, isn't it? Myriads, like millions of angels, all of them absolutely unified around one thing, one goal, one person, Jesus. It's as they come to worship him that they become so unified. They're preoccupied with his glory. And it's as we worship Jesus that we are preoccupied with his glory, lifting him up. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. That we too, as people from all different backgrounds and ages and preferences, we all of us set them aside and say, he is more, he is higher, he is greater. He is my priority. And as we all do that, we're drawn together. As you read on in Revelation chapter 7, it, it, says, it says another picture. It says, after this, I looked, and a great multitude that no one could count from every nation and tribe and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, a sign of worship, crying out with a loud voice, saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Such a wonderful picture of heaven. The most unified place. And yet, it's a place where Jesus is lifted high. And we can have a taste of that here on earth. We can have a taste of heaven on earth as we lift Jesus high because of who he is and what he has done. And so as we gather as worshippers, we, we have to remember that actually it's as we worship that the family is held together, that the family is united together, that people are drawn in as Jesus is lifted up to the degree that we lift Jesus higher than ourselves, making him our highest praise, making him our deepest passion. To that degree, we are drawn together. As we lift him up, we are joined together in our praise. And God is pleased to come and to dwell amongst us. And so the first picture of church is that we are a family. We're no longer foreigners, strangers. We're not defined by the differences. We're defined by the thing we have in common, that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. And it's as we gather around him and his throne that as a family, we demonstrate such a unity that the world will look upon and say, where on earth do they get that from? How on earth does such a group of people get together and like each other? It's God. It's God who does it. So the first thing is then whether we're a family. The second is that we're a temple. We're also a temple. This is what it says in uh, 1 Colossians 3.16. 
Do you not, uh, sorry, it should say Corinthians, not Colossians. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So the Apostle Paul is speaking to a situation where, just imagine you've got all these people that have never, never actually been together. They've, 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 kind of, they've been used to being in their little tribes and their little corners and their little ways of doing things and being separate. And now they're all just thrown together into one. You can imagine there's going to be a few fireworks, can't you? And in the book of Corinthians, there's quite a lot of fireworks. It's a great book to read. But they've kind of done the same, the classic family favorites thing. We know that in any kind of family... If, if a parent has a favorite child, it's so devastating, isn't it? It causes such a problem for the other children. And they've been doing the kind of same thing. They've, one of us has been saying, well, I think Paul is the best. And others have been saying, well, I think Apollos is the best. And Paul looks at this situation and says, this is dangerous, guys. You've got to come together. How on earth are you going to keep together as this family? Because we need to be united. How, is, how are we going to stay together? And his answer is this. Remember, you're not just a family, you're a temple. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that God's very presence is in our midst. Sometimes people misunderstand uh, this idea of, of the church being like a holy temple. Sometimes you might have been brought up to call this room a sanctuary as, 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 this, as if the presence of God dwells in this room. When I was growing up, there was a, uh, I was in a youth group, and uh, we wanted to have a table tennis competition and, uh, it was for the youth club. And it was a great kind of competition, but we needed a bit more room. And usually we'd be in the hall, but we needed more space. And so we wanted to go into the sanctuary to play table tennis. <sighs> you don't do that. You don't do that. That's, that's sacred space. This is the sacred space, and this is the non-sacred space. Be in the non-sacred space, because this is the sanctuary. Because this is where we meet on a Sunday to worship. And then when we leave the sanctuary, the sanctuary stays the sanctuary. And it's a misunderstanding of what it means to be the temple of God, because it's not the, it's not the room that's the sanctuary. It's the people who are the sanctuary. You are the temple. Each of us individually, but also as we gather together. It wouldn't matter if we met in a car park to worship God. That car park would become the sanctuary because it's where we are. We could be at the Peace Hall and that would become a sanctuary if that's where we are. In your workplace, you could be in a nightclub, wherever it is. If you are gathered in the presence of God to worship Jesus, you become the sanctuary wherever you are. And so the holy thing is not, it's not a holy building. It's not a holy place. It's a holy people. You carry the presence of God with you, each one of us. I don't know if you find that just surprising or I'm just amazed by that. I love it. Paul's main way of keeping them together as a family is to remind them of the privilege that they have. See, when you focus on, if you think the sanctuary is a building, here's what you do. You obsess about the building. You obsess about the way the building is meant to be. 
and you'll, and you'll have sacred places and sacred things. Sacred things that you mustn't change because it's the sanctuary, right? Because that's extra special. So if you think that the presence of God and the temple of God is the building, then you focus on the building. But if you think that the presence of God and the sanctuary of God is the people, then you focus on your relationships. And that is what it means to be a family, isn't it? To focus on our relationships. To ask the question, how can I be more loving and serve my brother and my sister? How can I encourage them in their faith? How can I make sure that I'm not a hindrance to them meeting with God? How can I serve them? Moses was absolutely passionate about the presence of God. And it's always been a preoccupation. It's always been a defining feature of God's people. And so that as Moses came down from the mountain, you'll know the story. Moses goes up to the mountain of God and he gets the Ten Commandments. And then he comes back down and finds that the people, in his absence, have, have turned to other gods. It's all just gone, it's gone in disarray. They've, they've totally lost the plot. And this is what Moses says. God, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me from your people, from all the other people on the face of the earth? But your presence, your presence. When Paul talks about in, in 1 Corinthians, he, when he talks about the temple, he could have used two, two words were, were available to him to talk about the temple. The first is Heron, which is the entire temple complex. So it would have been, you know, the outer courts and the inner courts and all, all of that. He could have described as if he's describing a building, he could have said, you're, you're the temple building, you're the complex, you're, you're the whole thing. He could have said that, but he didn't say that. He said, you're, you're not the Heron, you're the Nahos. And this means you're the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, the very place of God's presence. He could have said, focus on the complex, focus on the building, focus on the things. Instead, he said, focus on the presence of God among you. The verse that we read at the beginning that says you're no longer strangers and aliens goes on to say that we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God. How are we built together? So if we're not a building, if, the, if, the, if the, the, the dwelling place of God, if the sanctuary of God is the people, but the people are not a building, then how are we built together? Well, we're built together as we love one another, as we gather together, as we serve each other, and as we gather to worship. Why do we meet on a Sunday? <laughs> Why do we do these things? We meet on a Sunday together primarily because when we come together, we, we become the sanctuary of God. We come to encounter the presence of God. That, and there might be all sorts of other reasons why we come, really good reasons. But all of those other things need to lead us to this one thing, to meeting and encountering God by His Spirit. Isaiah says this, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, 
that the mountains would quake before your presence. Isaiah was done with the things of man. He just wanted the things of God. And he says, Lord, would you just tear up the heavens and come down, and then we'll have your presence, and then we'll have what we really need. And sometimes it requires us to tear something up in order to make way for the presence of God in our lives. To tear up the heavens, he says. What about tearing up our plans? Are we prepared? What are we prepared to tear up in order to encounter God's presence as we gather together? Are we prepared to tear up the set list? I know, I know we are. Are, are we prepared to, to tear up the, the PowerPoint presentation? I haven't got much of a PowerPoint today. I was convicted to put more time into prayer than to PowerPoint. Are we prepared to tear up the finish time in order to encounter the presence of God? Are we prepared to, to tear up our favorite place to sit or the formula or whatever it might be, our comfort zone, the things that keep us feeling comfortable? Are we prepared to tear them up in order to say, God, I like this. I, I like it. I like the way I like it. I, know I, I like what I know and I know what I like. But are we prepared to say, even though I like those things, even though I like things a certain way, Am I prepared to just tear it up for something better? The presence of God. Actually encountering God as we gather. The psalmists knew this. This is what Psalm 42 says. As the deer pants for flowing streams. Makes you think of Australia and all those fires burning and those absolutely desperately thirsty animals and koalas and all these things. As, as Dear pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And he asks this question, when shall I come and appear before God? When shall I come and appear before God? He's desperate to meet with God. Psalm 73, who have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And these were guys that they, they just, they couldn't even go in to the Holy of Holies. They just wanted to be near the presence of God. And yet we have an opportunity as the people of God to actually, for God to dwell in our midst as we gather. How lovely is your dwelling place, Psalm four says. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Yet not only can we enter it, and we become the very holy of holies. We become the sanctuary of God. So when we gather, when we come together on a Sunday, or whenever it is we might gather, what do we do? What are we here to do? We sing a few songs. We, we, we hear a talk from the Bible. We share some time of communion. We see friends. We teach our children. We serve on a rota somewhere. Thank you, everybody who serves on doing the tea and coffee. We appreciate it. It helps. helps us be a family. All good things, but, but all of those things must be laid down for, for one thing that's better. is to encounter God. And we encounter God through the Word. I'm not saying we don't encounter God through the Word or through the worship or whatever it is, but they all serve to lead us to God. They're not, they're not the end in itself. The end is God meeting with his people. As we sing, as we gather, as we hear the word, let's encounter God. Let's make that our priority, to encounter him. Ezekiel had a 
a vision of, of this renewed temple, what it would be like would be for, for a river to flow out from this sanctuary. And so let's just imagine that as we come, we come, we gather together on a Sunday, we have that sense of we are the temple of God as we lift Jesus high, as we draw near to God, and we encounter God's presence. And when we do, here's what happens. Ezekiel imagines it. Imagines it like a river flowing out from the sanctuary. This is what he says. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. So it flows into salty water and it turns it into fresh water. Wherever the river goes, every living creature will swarm. That swarms will live. It brings life. There will be many fish. For this water goes there and the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. And then it says Ezekiel 47 verse 12. Listen to this. On the banks of this river, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. The leaves will not wither nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water from them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Why would we, why would we prepare to tear, to tear up our agenda and to seek the presence of God? Because when we encounter the presence of God in our lives, when we draw near to him and we meet with God, Something flows out from it. We, we're not the same afterwards. He, he meets our needs. He, he brings fruitfulness. He brings contentment. He brings healing. Moses cried out for God's presence. Isaiah said, rip up the heavens and come down. Solomon saw a taste of heaven on earth. Ezekiel saw the temple coming like from the, and the river flowing from it. Jesus laid the cornerstone. Paul says that stone is now laid and you are being built into the temple. And from this temple comes a river flowing. A river of his spirit. A life-giving water that flows from his presence. I don't know about you, but I want that. Anybody else? Anybody else think that? Do you know what? Cup of tea is good. I like my tea. That's going to meet. That's going to hit a spot. But this is going to hit something deeper. A deeper need is going to be met. When when we we might have all the other things, but without the presence of God, we've got nothing we need. But we might have nothing else other than the presence of God, and we've got everything we need. And when I'm talking about the presence of God, I'm simply talking about having a sense that God is near and is here each one of us experiencing that for ourselves. So what do we do? I'm going to just invite the worship group up to just kind of take their places as we, as we think about how we respond. How do we respond to all of this? Let me see if I can flick through. I've totally forgotten about this. This is what Hebrews says. Just listen to this then. Hebrews 10, just as we finish. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us, through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, here's what we need to do. All we need to do. Let us draw near. Let us draw near. With a true heart, 
a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. You see, because we've got this great promise, because of what God has already done, because of who we are, because that Jesus has already made a way for us to encounter God, to meet with God personally, you can draw near to God. And when you draw near to God, you can anticipate him drawing near to you. And you can anticipate that he will come and meet with you personally. That you will encounter his love for yourself. Him speaking to you. That you will have a sense of his presence and his comfort. You might even have a, a spiritual gift that God stirs up that is a word for somebody else. Or a picture. God will come and move and do what only he can do. And you'll leave this place different. Knowing that you have met with God. Why are we a family that gathers to worship? Because there is something unique and special that God wants to do as we gather. It's not that his presence leaves, this, leaves us as we, ga- as we scatter. His presence is within every individual. But as we come together, there's something unique that is built as we worship the Lord, as we draw near. And it gives God the opportunity to do something for his presence to really fill our hearts and our lives. I, for one, think that's worth pursuing. So let's pray together. And I just want to encourage you (coughs) to just draw near as you are. It might be that you just need to get right with God. You know that there's a barrier in your life. There's something that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. Just confess it. Stop doing it. Don't let it get in the way of encountering God. Come to the cross and ask for forgiveness. It might be that you've got all sorts of hang-ups and baggage and bad experiences of things being a bit wacky and over the top and just ask God to just tear that up to just push the reset button and say Lord I just want to I just want a fresh encounter with you it might be that you just you've just been serving and working and doing and church has become a job a task you just need to surrender that all to God and say Lord here I am it's just me drawing near. It might be that you've, you just know your great need and it's always on your mind and you just need to surrender it to God and say, Lord, you're the one I need. I'm going to draw near to you and give everything to you. It was by the cross of Christ that he opened up a way for us to come near And so we gain the most assurance to come near to God as we remember his death. And so our first response is going to be to have communion together. But we're going to do a bit differently. We're just going to sing a song together. We're going to give you the opportunity to draw near and worship. But as you're you're ready, I just want you to just come and to just take the communion for yourself and to say, here I am, Lord, I'm drawing near. I'm, I'm going to walk up the front today. I'm going to take some bread and I'm going to say thank you for dying for me. I'm going to take the cup and I'm going to say thank you for your blood shed for me. And then as we do that, I want to just encourage you as we continue to sing and to to press in and to draw near, I want to encourage you to perhaps not go back to your seat. You might have to go back to your seat, that's fine. But just encourage you, maybe just go to a different corner of the room or just stand somewhere or just make a statement that says I'm not going to stay the same today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip up something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, God, tear apart my comfort. 
zone. I'm going to step in to drawing near to you. Just a small thing to stand in a different place. But it might just be the thing that makes a difference in your own heart, helping you to press in and to draw near in a new way this morning. So let's all stand together, shall we? And we're going to worship, we're going to sing, and this is all part of our drawing near to God. So Lord, I just thank you this morning. I thank you, God, that because of Jesus, you've opened up a new and living way. Because when Jesus died on that cross, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, and we can now access the very presence of God. And even more than that, you come and you fill us with your spirit. You dwell in our hearts and you are building us into not just a family, but into a temple that you might dwell in our relationships, that you might dwell in our lives, that you might dwell in our midst and do what only you can do. And so, Lord, as we come to the cross, we say thank you. Lord, we worship you. We lift you high in our midst. And we just want to pursue you and to draw near to you. Just, just as we are, that we might have a, a deeper expectation of what it means to gather together in your name, that we might raise the bar, that we might lift our eyes, that we might remove any glass ceiling of expectation and push through and see that there's more that you want to do as we gather to worship you. We're not just singing songs. We're not being entertained. We want to enter in. Help us, Lord as we worship to do that today in Jesus' name.